0: Hey there, it's Wacky Wald with Two Guys, One Podcast. Wait, that's not... No, that's... Fuck, they're going to find out about our other podcast. Ooh. Wrong one. And this is live, so I can't cut that out, right? Yes. Damn it. Horse hockey. I would like to start this episode off by saying, I recently read Saga by Brian K. Vaughn, Volume 1, and I really, really, really thoroughly enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I, just, I actually uh, finished the uh, other day as well.
0: I... uh and I'm gonna mess this word up because I've never said it out loud, nor do I quite remember how it was spelled. Compendium. It's like a giant omnibus. Compendium. Compendium. I think that's the word. Yeah. Uh, they have one for like under fifty bucks on Amazon that has like the first fifty issues. Yeah, and I almost bought that. I didn't, but I think I might next week, uh, so I can continue reading the story without buying you know individual volumes, which will take a long time probably.
1: Just so you know, it just came back from hiatus with uh, new issues. Yeah, I'm aware. That, that compendium's like the first half of the story. I think there's supposed to be like another fifty issues.
0: Another fifty issues. Good lord! Why do you need so many issues of anything, huh? Oh,
1: okay. Tell me. Tell a story. Tell me.
0: I have this article, which I know we covered on here before. Not this article, but something similar. This was literature's greatest opening paragraphs and the best opening lines in novels. Yeah. We did opening lines. We didn't do whole opening paragraphs.
1: Though some of them kind of morphed into opening paragraphs. Yeah, I think we? so.
0: Like, The Tale of Two Cities got number I just want I'll do the top ten real quick. I may not read all of them if they're too long, but number one is A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of... And we covered this before, but do you agree that that should be number one? Uh, Before we do, or before you do, rather, uh, let's continue with the top ten. Number two is 1984 by George Orwell. It was a bright, cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. I like that. Number three, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Once upon... And this is... I mean, I guess it's opening lines, but it's a poem. Come on, man. Huh. Well, once upon a midnight dreary, as I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. I don't know why you're not poetry, man. You gotta say that's gr- that's good. That's great. Yeah. It's fucking great. Um. Yeah, yeah. Moby yeah. Dick is like, yeah. if you want to know Spencer what it's like reading Moby Dick, okay. Here's the opening paragraph of Moby Dick. It takes up my whole phone. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. Uh, But it was also on the uh, opening line episode we did because uh, the opening line is simple. Call me Ishmael. But... As they have the opening paragraph, it's call me Ishmael. Some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse and nothing particular to interest me on the shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see. And then five hours later, he gets to the end of that.
1: And that's the first paragraph.
0: That's the first paragraph. Number five, The Stranger by Albert Camus. Mother died today, that's the most famous, one of the most famous lines, and then so this is the first paragraph, so it's mother died today, or maybe yesterday, I don't know, I had a telegram from the home, mother passed away, funeral tomorrow, yours sincerely, that doesn't mean anything, it may have been yesterday, now the edition I read, which I think we might have talked about this on there, was the, because translated from uh, the French version, the original French uh, It's not exactly mother or mom, but the uh they put, I think it was mama, not mama, but like mom in or something. It was like a French word for that. But it's essentially almost like saying like mommy or something. Yeah. Uh, That was a hot topic of debate. So the translated version I have is the newer English version that's like mom on or something like that. It's different. Uh, So that kind of reads a little, but see, mother died today is way too impersonal almost for the character. I don't know. It's hard to explain uh you, have, you still have to read that book. I, keep, I forgot to give it to you when you were here last time. You did. Number six, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. It was a pleasure to burn. That's all you get. Seven, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Now, we'll, I'll read this whole thing because you're a big Jane Austenite, and I don't want to, you know, leave you Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, sister. Oh yeah. What you going to do, sister, when your brazier rides up on you? It's a very... Manly woman, I guess. A handsome uh, woman, like they used to say, handsome woman.
1: Uh, retired, retired to my chambers in shame.
0: In shame. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. However, little known the feelings and views of such a man may be on his first entering a neighborhood. This, uh, I don't want to read that. That's not a good opening to me. I don't remember. I I just read it. And I don't remember. Yeah, I opening.
1: don't. I don't. I couldn't tell you what you just said.
0: This one, though, personal favorite, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson. We were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take mm. hold. It's fucking great. Yeah. And because I saw the movie, too, like, I just see the bats. You're That's right. what it's always in my brain. Tobey Maguire looking weird as fuck. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That was a good adaptation. I like that movie. Uh, we'll round out the list here. Number nine is Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. I am an invisible man. That's the first line. That, atta- you know, that attracts the reader because is he really invisible or is he just saying he's invisible? And then you go on. So I'm an invisible man. No, I am not a spook like those who haunted Edgar Allan Poe, nor am I one of your Hollywood movie ectoplasms. I am a man, a man of substance, of flesh and bone. And that continues on. That was a really good book. Uh, I really like that. Number 10, Notes from the Underground by Fedor, Fedor Dostoevsky. I am a sick man. I am a spiteful man. I am an unattractive man. I believe my liver is diseased. And then it goes on and on. And that whole first half of that book is just a rant. It's Mm -hmm. just that. That guy ranting and being miserable fucking cocksuck. And I I did not like that at all. No. But the second half, there's a story that uh, develops, and I actually like the story about the miserable man. But the beginning with him just ranting about oligarchs or what I don't know Russian oligarchs or something, I just I couldn't get into it. So that's that's our cold open. How about that? What did you? Would you change any of those? I'd get the Jane Austen out of the top ten for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd go *Tale Two Cities* number one, but then I, I don't know what I would put in its place.
0: I mean, it's such a great opening though, because it just like *The Tale of Two Cities*, the poor and the rich, right. and it just it perfectly encapsulates that, in my opinion. But I've not read the book, so I can't really further. You know what? I actually wanted to. I'll add a couple more on here because some of these are really good. Number eleven, *Metamorphosis* by Franz Kafka, just because you've been wanting to read this. As Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a gigantic insect. Come on. Like, what the fuck? And it gets so much weirder from there.
1: You pretty much know what the story is going to be at that point. Yeah. Uh,
0: Number 12, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Number 13, White Fang. 14, A Farewell to Arms. 15, The Bible. Uh, (laughs) Believe it or not, the Bible actually has a good opening, because I never read the Bible, so... In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, yeah. and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I've heard that a lot of times in my life. I always thought it came from, like, an RPG. Yeah. Like, like, I always thought that was, like, the opening of an old school video game.
1: I'm surprised, like, you, people aren't mad that they just put the Bible in with, like, fiction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Opening lines of, a fi- of fiction, <laughs> of a novel.
0: I'm not making a comment on that. Uh, number sixteen, The Dark Tower, Volume One, The Gunslinger by uh, Stefan King. the man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Uh, seventeen's The Bell Jar. Ooh, I like the opening of that. Actually, I'll read that too. Sylvia Plath, by the way. Because uh, I know you're not a big plath head, so you don't know her work. I'm not a Plathonite. No, You can't have two night. You're an austenite, and you can't be a Plathenite. Platypus? There you go. <laughs> it was a queer, sultry summer, the summer they electrocuted the Rosenbergs, and I didn't know what I was doing in New York. They fucking killed the Rosenbergs. 18, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Do I have to read this again on here about the dids? I I know you like the cat he did last time I read it. No live organism can continue for a long... Okay. Number 19, Lolita. Great opening, but I don't know if I want to read this. so creepy. I'll read it to you because I don't think you know... Well, you might from the title. Uh, This is by Vladimir Nabokov. It's considered one of the greatest but most controversial novels of all time. I know
1: the the name sounds familiar, but I...
0: Well, I'll read this, and then after I tell you what the book is about, if you don't know, uh, you're going to be creeped out. Lolita, light of my life. Fire of my loins, my sin, my soul, Lolita, the tip of the tongue taking a trip of three steps down the palate to tap at three on the teeth, Lolita. It's a kid, isn't it? It's, he's a kiddie diddler. Oh, what's his name? Uh, not Humphrey Humphrey. Uh, Herbert Herbert Hum humberd Humbert. i think it's Humbert Humbert. <laughs> i'm just saying names uh, yeah it's about him, but it's written from his view so it makes it sound like oh, it's all so beautiful and almost like it would try to convince the reader that being a fucking pedophile is okay because it's love and no it's like that guy that's what he thinks in his twisted sick mind i never read that book because the subject matter just fucking turns me off i don't yeah. want to and uh 20 is the picture of dorian gray by oscar wilde and then we get on to just a bunch of bullshit after that it's pretty good i would like to cover this list in full one day maybe but anyway um call me ishmael's classic i would put the gunslinger opening in the top 10 i would take out the austin one because that's not mem- memorable to me at all tale of two cities i think i might keep a one i don't i don't have a problem with that i really like the tale of two cities um I can't think of any modern fiction other than The Gunslinger that has such an opening. that I think it was Jim Butcher had one about standing in front of a Walmart on fire or something. Some,
1: uh, yeah, I think that is like his opening to one of the... Yeah,
0: that was pretty memorable. and I, that, Just the fact that I didn't even kind of know that when I never read it. Or, you know, I don't have any... I never read any Jim Butcher. Uh, 1984 is a good opening, too, with the striking 13, the clock.
1: And the uh, Fahrenheit... Uh, 451 with the lead in it was it just let it burn or? yeah
0: i think the top five can uh easily just switch around oh, anyway yeah. yeah i'd have no problem with those uh it's really until we get to pride and prejudice i'd have a problem um i'd put the fear and loathing up there too so we'll get to the episode at hand once we come up with the topic i mean once we go over our notes for the topic of the day right Yep, Yep. Uh uh-huh. Okay, see you later after these messages from our sponsor, um, Fuck, I don't know. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Dun, dun, dun. I'm your host Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Colombian crack cocker church, filling in those cracks, mm-hmm. cocking them up. Yep. Why can't they just say coke? That's how it's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It be, there's an L in there, so just be Coke. Why does that have to be cock? It's like somebody was like. Whoa, we're going to spell out with C-A-U-L-K. You know what, though? We're going to pronounce that. Yeah, just, a little different, a little, a little carpenter humor. Just
1: see if we can get away with it. See if anybody says that, anything.
0: And they have for centuries. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long culk has been around. I say Colt because I'm a refined gentleman. What if you are a gentleman, but you're not so gentle? Like, you just touch things real hard. You're like uh,
1: Well, you wouldn't be a gentleman.
0: Well, you're like very sophisticated, but you're not in control of your motor skills. And you're really strong for some reason, so you're, like, a very smart Lenny. (laughs) So, like, you kill the rabbits, but you don't mean to, you're you're just not gentle. He
1: didn't mean to kill the rabbits, though.
0: See, he wasn't a gentleman. He was a harsh man. Yeah. He was a ruffian. Uh, He had a heart of gold, but he was a little... Back then, that's that's fucked up. Like, back then, if you were just kind of slow or something, you had a mental disability, they're just like... Yeah, I'm sorry. You killed too many rabbits and that pretty lady, we kind of got to go put you down in the woods. Well, didn't he get kicked by a horse or something? That's even worse. He's not even born that way. You get in an accident and it makes you slow and then you start smashing stuff. He gets he gets the smashes. It's like, oh, Lenny got a case of the smashes again. Mm-hmm. He's hulking out. He did. like He crushed that one guy's hand to bits. The guy that always wore the glove or whatever. I always uh,
1: found that so strange. Yeah.
0: I bring up Lenny not just because i wanted to talk about hand crushing and neck breaking because you mentioned something off air about uh listening emotion in your fiction and what fucking better example i could think of off the top of my head than a mice and man i mean come on yeah. that whole like once you get to the end of a book like steinbeck made you feel a certain way about these characters and he's building on it building on it this brother's uh i don't think they're actually brothers right
1: no no they're
0: just kind of stuck together through the hard times of the depression era or whenever that was but you still get a bl- brotherly vibe you get the one that's taking care of the special needs guy and you know special needs guy lenny's getting into some trouble and then as the reader you're just watching it's like oh i hope nothing bad happens please don't let lenny accidentally do something bad and then he does and then the whole ending is uh just, to, uh, tears your tear ducts right out of your fucking head.
1: Well, but like, what he does with that, too, is, like, what also makes that scene so great is that also, like, you agree with, um, uh, him George, yeah, with him George, because you're, like, yeah, George has a right, like, if they catch him, it's gonna be way worse. Way like, worse, like, yeah. So it's, it's
0: almost a mercy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, like, much of Steinbeck's work, it's, uh of the time period so it's just like yeah everything's gonna be hard so what's the what's the eat like you don't want to say the easy way out but what would be the better way to go uh getting shot by your friend or getting mob justice Mm. um just like jesus but that's most time work always ends in some kind of terrible dilemma you mentioned off air that when you go into your fiction you don't think about trying to elicit emotion in the reader like if that comes out it does but you don't Go into the work with the reader's emotions in mind.
1: Yeah, I guess if I do, it's more in, like, the, the later drafts, you mm. know, once, like, the bare bones are, you know. But you don't
0: specifically go in and, say, write a scene where you're like, oh, I know this one's going to make people cry. Yeah,
1: like, they're going to get mad at this one. I mean, it's something you should probably do, at least yeah. to some extent, you know. If not to do that, but also just to probably have a better idea of what you're what you're working on, like, you know what I mean? I guess
0: Well, like a master manipulator. <laughs> yeah. I like playing with people's emotions. There's a couple stories where I specifically wrote parts of them, or the whole story even, that are on the website. Um, I think one's called A Fall from Grace. And it's about a mother who, from what I remember, because I think I wrote this a couple years ago, it's like the dead of winter. And she's like behind a dumpster. You get the, oh, she's like a bum. She's in there drinking vodka or something behind a dumpster. But what it turns out was she was a mother, uh, had a loving family and everything. And on like Christmas Eve, uh, they weren't able to get a certain toy for the one kid. So she sends the husband out in this horrible storm to go get the toy, even though he's like, hey, you know, we can just get it after Cr- It doesn't matter. No, no, no. You got to get it. She was just being kind of a bitch for whatever reason. And uh, then the husband, car accident, dies. And then she just keeps reliving this moment while her whole life went to shit and she became an alcoholic. But every part of that story was, again, a pretty short story. I think it's under a couple thousand words. I uh, wrote it specifically with the intentions of, like, this part's going to make you feel this way. This part's going to make you feel this way. And that was one of uh, the stories that I had the most reactions to. Like, people kept sending me messages like, oh, my God, like, this, yeah, oh, boy. It's really fucked me up here, and I I could see how that would. And I was like, yes, that's, it, like it's nice when they get what you were trying mm-hmm. to do, you know. Um, and I've had a couple other stories where I uh, I've done that. My longer fiction, I never specifically do that. Maybe scenes like, okay, this is the scene that I'm gonna get to grab your attention. This is the scene that's gonna make you angry, like things like that. Same with the characters. But uh, my shorter fiction, usually I just kind of go into it. Um, like here's maybe the overall mood of this story and I'm just going to tell a story. Like I don't really go into it like oh I'm going to write this specifically to make someone really pissed off or someone to cry or I'm doing this to make somebody super happy and feel good. Like it's just I usually it's the story first and then, you know, that stuff comes later.
1: See, I I feel like with me uh emotion-wise when it comes into writing it's more of anything of what i'm feeling like yeah. the emotions like uh, that i'm going so dead to inside. <laughs> or like you know maybe the the emotion of me, like when you know i came up with the idea and just trying to keep on channeling that or like or we've all you know have wrote stories and stuff with things that you know we take from our lives and stuff so you mm-hmm. know you get that you know that angry person that cut you off or whatever you know info or something and you you use that and it's like well i'm still not actually mad about that but you kind of yeah you 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 gotta like you like kind of conjure those up or remember the. well i was about to say
0: have you ever written something where say you were really mad in the moment when you started writing it but then by the time you finished it, you've obviously cooled down. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a week later or something and you don't have those feelings anymore. Maybe even on reflection, you're like, That whole thing I, why was I even mad, it's fucking yeah. stupid. I was just having a bad day. But then you're like, you're stuck with the story. I've a I've actually abandoned work because of that happened. Like I was like really depressed during the story or really mad or way too happy. Whatever the feeling was. Yeah, you're just in a different mindset. Yeah. And like I find, especially with like novel writing now, I'm getting better at being able to go back and kind of bring up those memories again. But what I'm really getting good at is just almost like how a method actor could get into a character yeah. or something like that. It's like when I get into the story, I'm just like, okay, I'm right in here again. It's not that I want to be like, you know, robotic about it where it's just like, okay, I'm supposed to feel this way. I'm going to write this way. But you kind of do just put like, I don't need to be so personal with my feelings towards this. I just need to know that this is how the scene is supposed to feel. But it it is weird when you write something like, say you're really angry and uh, that's coming out like across very evidently. But then when you cool down and you try to, keep, you can't keep that feeling. Yeah. Uh, how do you go about that? I think you just kind of have to, like you said, you could bring back, try to bring back those feelings and be mad again. Or you could just, like the method actor, you just have to know that's how it's supposed to go. Yeah. So you just have to be like, okay, I was really mad when I wrote this. I need to just keep writing it as if I'm mad. But how do you do that without it becoming like a false, like, oh, this guy, you know. He's just phoning in now. Like you just have to be really good, I guess. I don't. I just
1: get this mental picture of you like walking around and typing, and be like, I got to like walking, like stub your toe on something. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, shit. Just go fall down the stairs on purpose, <laughs> real quick,
0: or. <laughs> well, fortunately, with anger, I'd have no shortage of things that piss me off, so I can always conjure that up. It's the other feelings, especially joy. That's yeah, the hardest joy's- one.
1: Joy's the hard one to find. <laughs> That's the rare. That's
0: the rare one. Now, how much do you focus on, like, the emotional state of your characters in any given scene? Or, like, do you... Because a well-balanced character is going to go through a multitude of emotions if the story's yeah. long enough.
1: Again, with um a lot of, at least, you know, my work, the longest is, like, uh, you know, like, short stories. Yeah. So, like you don't necessarily depending on the story have to dig in or have that much. Well, you know, with the, the new story that I'm working on, you know, that is, you know, starting to be a little bit longer or um the couple are like longer, like closer to like novella like kind of things or um Yeah, like I can tell like um fuck, what am I saying? I'm not saying anything <laughs>
0: You, <laughs> Michael Scott. Coming, you just yeah, keep talking, hoping you'll yeah. you'll find the sentence.
1: Yeah, it wasn't coming. Uh oh, shit. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: but but yeah, uh, depending on like the story, because like I do notice like the kind of stories that I do kind of tell. I it's I like to uh, put like the characters through some kind of like um, like not terrible thing, but you know the you know the drama, or the conflict, yeah. or whatever. And how they handle that, you know, the emotions and 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 like that kind of, you know, things. But again, it's not like one of those things that's in the fourth sight. It's almost kind of like in the, like the second and third draft As like, yeah, as you're, you know, rereading it and you're like, oh, this would, you know, as you're flesh, fleshing it out and, you know, adding context and stuff like that.
0: Well, one thing I tried to be very aware of, even in the first draft is the way I put it is. Are my characters, or especially my protagonists, coming across as, like, a Keanu Reeves type of everyman who is just kind of bland and not necessarily emotionless, but just, like, think of, like, Neo and the Matrix. There's not too many emotional changes. Like, you know, he has little dips and, high, and then it goes a little higher, but he's never raging out, really. You don't see all this. Maybe in the later movies, but... Because uh, I bring up Keanu Reeves because, like, a lot of his movies, he's always just because of the type of person he is, very, comes across uh, as calm and very collected. Very even, yeah, even kill. Like. Well, even like in the first John Wick movie, there's the scene where he's tied down and he has like his big speech where he's going to kill everybody and that's the part where he's supposed to sh- finally show some emotion and he freaks out and he starts yelling and it almost comes across as like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> Not just because of the character, but because of Keanu Reeves himself, he just doesn't do that very well. So I always worry that my character is going to come across like, why is this guy so calm during all these events? Uh, And that's something I kind of struggle with with any of my characters lately is even if they're in an extreme situation, I never really think like, oh, this maybe this character just, you know, screams and panics and doesn't do anything. Like, why am I just writing like everyone just kind of goes along with whatever's happening? Uh, So I need to focus on that more, especially uh, when I do my second and third drafts, too, uh, because that's where I can really fix it. But that's just like if you ever think about it. It's like, oh man, there's like a shooting and all this stuff. But then, if you read, it, it's like, well, why is the character so calm? Mm. It's like, why is he not like freaking out at all or screaming? So I, I've been working on that. I think I'm, I'm getting better at doing that. I mean, that's, that
1: is like the character, like the character's like main quality is just like this weird, just like yeah.
0: But it's like, are you well, a mercenary? Like, if you're going up against a giant monster, not how how calm are you gonna really be? You know,
1: I I don't know, man. I that's always been my argument with like Batman. Is like too calm. Well, no, just like you know, like there's no cursing or anything in the main thing, but it's just like I, like, I was my example is always like you're Batman, you're standing next to these gods and super beings, Damn. and you're f- getting ready to fight like this other, like, earthly god thing. You're gonna tell me at some point in time, you're just not gonna be like, fuck, yeah, like, or shit,
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, calm, cool and collected. Oh, yeah, yeah, the only other emotion he has usually is anger where he's, like, beating somebody up, but... In my characters, I will say, I do show emotion a lot through their actions. The clenching fists, clenching jaws, gritting teeth, things like that. But, as just far as, like, what's... I mean, I guess I do usually have, like, characters yelling and doing different things, and I write, like, the over-the-top happy character, like the... almost like they're on ecstasy kind of character, like at a party scene or mm-hmm. something, like, you know, the fucking drunk, I do those pretty good, I think, but... Just as far as like basic human interactions, I have people having conversation. I am getting better at finding the nuances of. Well, this conversation went slightly in a different direction. Like I have a scene where it's a couple in a cafe and they're talking. Starts off they're very happy to see each other, as couples are, but then the girl's slightly annoyed, but she doesn't want to show that she's annoyed with with the guy, so. She's just kind of being her normal self, but the way I, I've written it, you can tell there's something underlying there uh, just with her physical actions maybe. And Then all of a sudden, as with real life, uh, kind of comes up all at once. It's like, I'm sick of paying for you. Why do I always have to pay for you? It just like, well, all bubbles up. Yeah, and then the guy's caught off guard. He's like, what do you mean? You don't always pay for me. Just, and she points to the coffee that she bought, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, things like that, so I think I am get better at the nuances and then. How that uh, scene resolves itself, like you go to the head and then you cool back down. Like try to be like real life fight, you know. Uh, I don't like those over the top fights. where, Oh, and then they threw a drink in his face, and when the fuck does that barely ever happens? Come on, that's what actually been pretty fun writing. How that comes across to the, to the reader without being overdrawn. Like you don't want to draw it out, and make it boring. Uh, so I'm sure I'll have to scale back some of that stuff, but I think I did pretty good with that so far in my novel, anyway. And like you said, the short stories, it's a little different because if it's under 10,000 words, chances are you're not really developing multiple scenes too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually you're just dealing with, uh, I mean, you can spread out the timeline, I I guess, you know, like, oh, he woke up and then later on it just skips to night, things like that. But if you're just writing like, uh, you know, point A to Z story, uh, everything in between in a short story, you kind of have to rush through it. You're not going to be able to hit everything. So the emotional impact is going to be kind of different. It's going to be harder to get all those, uh, you know, show a character's wide array of, of emotions. It's more of, uh, you know, maybe you, you pick a few and you kind of get the character's traits a little bit. But you can't really flesh it out too much in a short story. Unless you're a really good writer. Or you're like fucking David Foster Wallace in Oblivion who just... Writes huge blocks of text and uh, calls a 67-page story a short story. Fucking, I'm not, I'm not finishing that. I'm going to tell Ashley. It's like, hey, that Mr. Squishy story, garbage. I'm <laughs> not reading it anymore. I read 15 pages. That's enough for me.
1: Just got to move on to the next one.
0: The sad thing is, it's actually very, very well written, and I really kind of like the writing style. It's just, uh, what he was going for was a purposeful, like, information overload, because that's the, and you know, he's such a smart guy, he wants you to feel like you're actually, you know, I'm. I'm gonna, talk about that. I'm gonna talk about that one on that some. episode yeah anyway for the episode for the episode any parting thoughts on the eliciting uh, of emotion do you ever try to work with uh, character nuance and things like that in conversations
1: i do feel like that's one thing that i have been working on especially like um with dialogue i'm very cognizant of like of like what my characters say or like how they say
0: it, and the reactions is yeah part, how people react to things because uh-huh. you know it's easy to write dialogue that sounds witty and has like a lot of snaps back and forth, but to make it realistic, because you know say I go hey shut up fuck face yeah. you know if I'm joking saying it in a jokey manner, you're just probably like yeah fuck you like you yeah. know back, but if there's an inflection of uh. Not hatred, but, you know, like a stronger emotion from me and that and I could show that in the story. Then your reaction is going to be completely different. It's not going to be like joking back. Maybe it'll be a snarky joke back, but then that yeah. could build up. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know what? Fuck you. No,
1: fuck you. you. Yeah. And then just like little um, traits. I've noticed that I've been trying to do that a little bit more. um, just, like, uh, tiny things to, like, sprinkle throughout the story so it's not like you're getting too much at once, but, like...
0: Do you like to use, like, personal quirks, like character quirks? Like, this character bites their lip a lot, and then that's their thing, or this character, you know, has a habit of picking their nail, and that's their thing? Because that can get redundant and annoying if you... Because I remember, like, Pauly Cooley's Mm -hmm. The Black, the one thing we... Uh, both agreed was a little over much. Like one of the characters was over done too much. Was he always clenched his jaw and unclenched?
1: Well, it was like it wasn't.
0: It was multiple characters. Yeah, that did like that. if
1: it was just like one character, like oh, it it'd that's be okay. Just, yeah, but it was everybody was clenching their jaws and fists.
0: What I think, the, not to cut you off, but like what I think, so if you had the one character that clenches and unclenches their jaw a lot, like that's a thing, I would. I would change it up every time I showed that. So once it's just clench on clench, the other time grinding of the teeth, you know, just different things like that. Biting the inside of the lip. Yeah. Different things like that. Maybe chewing on your tongue a little bit or something. Like, just something weird like that. Just the, the... you still have the quirk, but you're not just con- Like, If you're just somebody, okay, this person always uh scrapes their thumb skin or something. Th- like that- you don't want to keep saying that over and over. That do
1: like in a way. I remember, I forget which uh, Doc Tower series. It might, I think it might have been the second or third one. But uh, one of his, one of the newer characters, Eddie, he's like a guy who's very hot headed, gets angry very easily, and somebody's talking to him, and he can't. Uh, Because they need this guy for something, like, information. I can't remember exactly, but, like, he just can't holler, yell, or hit this guy. So, like, he's clenching his fist, but he describes it as, like, the nails digging into the palm. leaving little half-moon marks on his palms, drawing blood. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you're going to do the clenching of the fist or, like, the, the, the grinding of the jaw... Like do it in a way where you maybe a little yeah. bit more crazy. Like, oh, he can feel a slight, uh, a a bit of blood biting the inside of his mm. cheek, for being by you know holding himself from tra- talking so much. He can or, taste like, the metallic yeah. of his
0: fillings grinding, like things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So another thing about character quirks that I think is important is when to use them. Don't just throw them in. You know, have just just to make this character unique, and they have a quirk. You can use it to your benefit by showing their emotion through that quirk. So say they're an anxious person, like they do something like rub the back of their head when they're anxious. Well, and then all of a sudden, like if you establish that early on, whenever there's a you know scene where that character is uncomfortable, if you just mention that yeah, they're rubbing right. the back of their head, the reader will know, oh, that's because they're anxious. Like yeah, you, have, you don't even have to bring it up. You don't have to always say, oh, you know, the anxiety's getting like you could just do the quirk and you can have multiple quirks to, to space it out it's because you know as most people we usually have like a handful of things we each do in certain situations so i think uh, those are fun to play with too yep,
1: but before you uh cut me off i haven't yet really or at least had a story yet to where i've thought of of having like having get anybody like any kind of quirks really you know so
0: i kind of feel like at least where i'm at in writing that's a, more of a second and third draft thing like I can't really focus on that stuff in the first draft too much. I guess if you were one of those people who like to write out all their characters before they, you know, backstories and everything and speech like inflections or accents, ways that you know the character quirks, like you like people like to write up uh almost like RPG style, like a whole biography on someone. Like they do that before they write anything. So maybe that would help you establish that when you're writing, you get to know the characters a little better. But at least the way we both write, I don't I think it's just easier to do that afterwards and just add it because because, like that seems like a lot of extra work at the initial initial first draft is like, oh, this character has this quirk and this one has this one and try to put all those in place. Like it's like a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes you just get like the pieces, the biggest pieces to fit first. And then you can do all the small ones after. Get the border done. Yeah, get the most (laughs) obvious pieces together, and then you can uh, work on that. Where's my corners at? But like I said, it depends on the... (laughs) It depends on... I'm a corner guy, too. (laughs) It depends on what kind of writer you are. Some people, they really like getting all the... Some people are detail first. They go very detail heavy where they do all the character stuff and the world building and everything first. Uh, Then, after they have that stuff down, they go back and establish the story and fix plot holes and... Things like that. I'm more of a story first guy, so I always focus on the story, then the characters, and then all the extra shit. But yeah, motions are important. If you're not emotional, you're a robot.
1: Well, they're important if you're a sissy.
0: Wah, 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 wah. That's why The Stranger by Albert Camus is such a uh, strong hitter, is because well, one, because it's pretty much about a guy with down or not Down syndrome, about a guy with Aspergers, but. Before Asperger's was known, like, people didn't really have a thing. They just thought he was a, um, kind of an emotionless, unfeeling guy about his mom's death, and that ends up ultimately putting him on trial for murder. Uh, for murder, you say? <laughs> so, that's, that. you could play with that, too, if you have a character that's specifically not emotional that can show, like, maybe something was wrong with him, it, it, maybe something happened to him that made him that way.
1: Well, there's a, there's a comic uh, book I read, uh... Emotionless Man.
0: Yes, uh called postal,
1: and what it quick summary is like is this town out in the middle of nowhere where like uh, killers and bad people have like they they go it's kind of like a like a witness protection like to get them out of the way mm-hmm. well anyways, the lady who runs it her son is the postman there, but he has um I forget if it's uh autism. Or, but, like, something like that with, like, you know what? He doesn't give, like, the emotions. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, everything he does is a very, like, calculated... Methodical like, kind of... And, and, like, even, like, because, like, you know, there's this love interest and he's, like, you know, he's, like, I love you, but you don't ever really see him, especially early on in the series, able to, like, physically or, like, like even verbally kind of, like, demonstrate that. to express to, himself. Yeah
0: interesting see, see i like stories like that because they make you feel a different kind of way man feels all about the feelings man um so if you folks want to check out our work and see how emotional we get uh you can uh, go to emotional Drunk damage emotional damage i like that guy <laughs> uh you can go to drunkenpenwriting.com um like i mentioned that fall from grace story i have you can search that up i can't remember you had a story about a Something about a, not a serial killer, someone commits suicide or something. So you had a couple break depra- you had that one about a guy in a coma, too. Yeah. That was pretty emotional. Uh, people like that one. I don't remember the name of that, sorry. Comatose but,
1: or? Oh, yeah, I couldn't tell you the name of it. <laughs> but, like, even that, but even that that wasn't a, the the most of, like, when I was, like, emotional, was just like, that was just like. The situation. W- yeah, like, what would, and, like, from what you, you know, the limited things that I know from movies and other fiction, you know, of, like what it must be like to be like in a coma and having to deal with that.
0: Yeah, so I don't remember that name, but look it up, I'm sure. Just go on Spencer's author page. Yeah, Sort through all his comic reviews. You'll find it. Scroll down to the- It's a picture of a guy in a hospital, I think, in a coma. You're going to have to scroll down to the bottom for a little bit. It was one of the earlier stories. Yeah. Uh, You can go on Twitter and follow us at Drunk Pen Writing, Instagram and Facebook at Drunken Pen Writing, and Spencer's Only Fans at the Columbian Crack Cocker Church. And uh, it's not pornographic this week. No. Just a lot of caulking. No. A lot of caulking. Oh, and by the way, folks, sorry I forget the proper pronunciation. If you listen to last week's episode and I uh, misread that name, <laughs> the Greek philosopher, I think his name is Heraclitus. I said Heraclitus. Spencer laughed like a schoolgirl. <laughs> and the the show came to a grinding halt. I just want to say I'm not apologizing to old Harry Clitus. I just want to say uh, that made me very happy that that happened. And I apologize for nothing. I apologize for nothing, and I hope it happens again. <laughs> We're going to start reading a lot of names and see how many I go fuck up.
1: Well, we should see if there was like uh, any like old poems or anything about him, and like are any stories that we, that we can read
0: Hecletus there's no cletus Clitus. Yeah.